morning, church. Thank you to Bram and to our worship team. Bram's filling in today. Yeah, let's give them a hand. It's good to greet each of you this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's, Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that we can worship you this way. We thank you that you are our friend and that you love us and that you care for us. We thank you, Lord, that we can grow in Christ as well. That as we begin this journey, it's just not the end, but it's just the beginning as we continue day and day and day to become more and more like you, like your son Jesus Christ. So Father, I pray that this morning, for the next few moments, that you would open our eyes and open our minds and open our hearts to what you have for us this morning. We thank you for your word. We pray that you would bless it as we look at it, as we examine it, and as we put it into practice in our lives as well. Thank you again, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Did you know that this week the stock market hit an all-time high of more than 20,000 points on the Dow Jones Industrial Average? And it's a possible sign that the American economy is gaining in strength. And did you also know that we live in one of the wealthiest countries in the entire world? And did you know that we Americans are some of the wealthiest people in the world. Did you know that? Some of you are saying, what? No way. But comparatively speaking, compared to the rest of the world, I would probably say that the majority of us here this morning probably we are in the top 10% of the wealthiest people in the world. Some of you may say, no, not me. But if you look at the numbers, it bears itself out. But because most of us have been born and raised in America and it's a part of our culture, we don't even realize how truly affluent we are. How truly affluent we are. Think about this. Think about this. We're able to eat three meals a day, and we usually get a choice of whatever it is that we want to eat. We get to go to the grocery store, and we have the choice between tens of thousands of items on that grocery store shelf. But having said all that, while most people around the world are eating one choice, and it's probably rice or beans for dinner. I'm generalizing, but most of us, most of us have one vehicle per adult in our household, while most of the people around the world don't have any vehicles at all. Most of us, again I'm generalizing, most of us live in a home which is large enough to have one bedroom for each child, whether they're in your home or they've grown up now. But most people around the world live in a one- or two-room dwelling, and they share that with many other people. And most of us, most of us probably have at least two televisions in our house, right? Is Yvonne here? A few weeks ago, Yvonne said she had five TVs in her house. You know, I hate to admit it too, but I went home and we counted. We have five TVs in our house too. There's only three of us living there. But how many of you... Be honest. How many of you have at least two TVs in your house? Be honest. Wow. It's a lot of us, right? And I'm not even going to get into all the other toys and gadgets and the phones that we have, not just for communication, but for our leisure and for our entertainment. You know, we have the iPhone. We have the iPod. We have the iPad. We have the iPad for it all. You get the picture, right? I bill, that's right. I can send my bill to you. 
But, you know, since we live in this culture where everyone has these things, and probably much more, we don't even think twice about how materialistic habits affect us spiritually, because they do. You know, we're continuing our sermon series entitled Growing in Christ, Growing in Christ. And we're talking about our own personal, our own personal spiritual journey, our own personal spiritual growth, and the practices or disciplines which help us grow closer to God. And these disciplines help us to become more and more like Jesus in our everyday walk. And so you may recall the discipline of prayer that Major Debbie and I spoke about a few weeks ago. Remember when Rick did all those push-ups here? And you may remember how Matt shared the importance of regularly reading and studying God's Word, and how Yvonne stressed the importance of stewardship of our time, of our talent, and our treasure. But today, today we look at the discipline of simplicity. Bram's already mentioned that. We're talking about simplicity, about keeping it simple. You know, the discipline of simplicity, it differs from the disciplines of prayer and Bible study, in that those are much like like physical exercise, where you have to do something. Whereas the discipline of simplicity is more of a lifestyle change. You see, the discipline of simplicity is the conscious act of not being tied to the things of this world. Now, it doesn't mean that you stop buying things, or that you hate money and those people who have a lot of it. And it's not the desire to be poor or to live like a pauper. No, it's none of those things. But living simply, simply means adopting a lifestyle that avoids unnecessary accumulation of worldly and material things. Living simply helps us to detach from the things of this world, and there's a lot of these things in this world, to detach from them in order to focus our lives on the things of God, the Holy Spirit. You see, living simply entails clearing our lives and our houses of spiritual and material clutter so as to create, why? So that we create more space in our lives and in our hearts for godly living, for God to work in our lives. If things are too cluttered and there's too many distractions, too many things going on in our life, there's no room for God. Right now, as I think about clearing the clutter, I I think about our garage at home. I have a few neighbors that are here this morning. You probably noticed that we don't open our garage door very often. We have a two-car garage, but not even one car can fit in it because there's so much stuff in there. I don't think we can even fit a bicycle in there. You know what I mean, right? But just as busyness prevents us from spending quality time with God, materialism divides our hearts away from God. You know, Jesus warns us about getting caught up in in serving the God of money, and serving the God of materialism. When he says in Matthew chapter 6, 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Now that word mammon, the New Testament, it means money. It means material wealth. Any entity that promises wealth, and it's associated with the the greedy pursuit of gain. We've all heard that the love of money is the root of all evil. Sometimes we misinterpret that. We say money is the root of all evil, but that's not the case. Money is very neutral. It's the love. The love of money is the root of all evil. 
But, be, but because we live in such an affluent society, we've brainwashed ourselves into thinking it's okay for us, for us to serve both God and mammon. Because why? Because everyone else is doing it. But if we are to grow spiritually, we need to do as Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33. And you can see this little plaque I have here. This is from my office. You can probably see the big word says priorities. But the small words underneath it, it's this verse. It's Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. It's about priorities. It's about having priorities in life and having our priorities straight. So God and his kingdom should take first place. But you know what? We cannot grow closer to God and become more like him when we are trapped by our love for things. Sometimes we're not even, not even aware of that. And the problem is, most of us don't think that we have a love for money or possessions. But I'm going to give you a test this morning. Okay? And if you think I'm meddling, you can just tell me, Major, stop meddling. <laughs> but here's the test. If I were to ask each and every one of you right now to give away every television in your home, would you do it? What did you say? Stop meddling. <clears throat> I hear you, Babs. I hear you. Well, some of you may be thinking, some of you may have some doubt. He says, is he really serious? Would he really ask us to do that? Some of you may feel defensive, like Babs. Stop meddling. What right does he have he to tell us what to do with our stuff? Maybe some of you are a little bit anxious and stressful. If I don't have my television, how can I watch my favorite show? How can I watch my favorite football? How can I watch the Super Bowl? I won't worry about that because my favorite team's not playing in the Super Bowl. So it doesn't matter. But how can I watch the Food Network? How can I watch Netflix? And the list goes on and on and on. <clears throat> Well, perhaps television was a bad choice. But pick, <clears throat> pick whatever is most valuable to you. Where you spend your free time. Maybe it's your fishing boat. Maybe it's your bowling ball. Maybe it's all the manicures you get. Now I'm meddling, right? <clears throat> maybe it's all those trips to the shopping mall. Or maybe it's your phone. Spending all that time... Snapchatting and Instagramming and Facebooking and whatever else you do. Or maybe it's all the time we play these video games. Am I meddling now? Yes. <laughs> so what I'm trying to get at is that we like to think we put God and his kingdom first. When in reality we put other things first. Material things. Other priorities. Things that we think are more important. Some of them are very selfish and some are like very worldly as well. But because we live in this world where we have access to everything our heart could desire, we think it's okay to place a high value on these things. Because why? Because everyone else is doing it. Everyone else is doing it. And this is where the practice of simplicity and generosity becomes so important in the life of the follower of Jesus Christ. You see, making a regular practice of living a simple lifestyle. And when I say simple, it's by God's standard. It's not by our culture's standard. It's by God's standard. But making a regular practice of living a simple lifestyle and, and being generous, those things are essential. They're essential to helping us to grow spiritually. You see, the discipline of simplicity, it helps us in preventing our money and possessions from getting in the way of our relationship with God. Somehow, money and finances 
gets in the way of lots of different people's relationships. If you were to talk to a lot of marriage counselors, they would say one of the, the top reasons why married couples fight and disagree and unfortunately sometimes get divorced is because they fight over money. Sometimes siblings fight over the inheritance of their parents or a loved one. Sometimes business partners end up hating each other and suing each other because they're fighting over money and possession. And so you see the discipline of simplicity helps prevent our money and possessions and those things from getting in the way of our relationship with God and with others. You see, when we live a simple life, we become less tight-fisted, needing to cling on to money, even though our money is really God's to begin with. So you see, the discipline of simplicity begins with inner simplicity, simplicity of our mind and of our heart. And Jesus tells us not to worry. He tells us not to worry about the other things, the material things in our life, but to seek one thing. You know, if you read the few verses before Matthew chapter 6, 33, it talks about the birds of the air. They don't worry what they're going to eat. The flowers of the field, they don't care. They're not worried about what they're going to wear. And the scripture says, God will take care of the birds. He'll take care of the flowers, what they eat, what they wear. How much more you mean to God than the flowers and the birds. So you don't need to worry. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these other things, things we all worry about. What are we going to wear? What are we going to eat? All those things. It says God will take care of those things. All these other things will be added unto us. So the discipline of simplicity begins with the, with the simplicity of our mind and of our heart. And it, keeps, and it comes from keeping first things first, keeping our priorities in order. You know, when we, when we choose to love God, when we choose to put him first, and we practice simplicity and generosity, we notice that God blesses us in certain ways. First of all, we receive freedom. Freedom from the bondage of anxiety and worry. What are we just talking about? The birds of the air, the flowers in the field, they don't worry. We don't worry about our possessions and what happens to them. Because why? When we live simply, we hold them lightly. Let me explain. Let me describe it. It's like me. I'm holding this ball. I'm holding it very lightly. Anybody can come and take the ball if they want it. I can bounce it. I can use it for what it was designed to do. I can play tennis with it. I can use it to massage my neck, which I do every day. But you know, when we put our stuff first, we usually tend to hold on to it and cling to it and grab it. And don't let anybody else touch it because this is my stuff. And we get very protective And so I'm clinging to this, and I'm worrying about it because I don't want anybody to see it. I don't want anybody to touch it. I don't want anybody to taste it. I don't want anybody to even think about taking it, become very possessive of that, and I start worrying about it. I've gathered all my gold, and now I'm keeping it all to myself, and I'm making sure no one's out there to grab it from me. And we stay up day and night and worry and get anxious about that. You see, when we put our stuff first... We worry about it. We hold it tight. But as we live the life of simplicity as well, it also gives us the freedom not just to worry about things, which we tend to do, but it frees us from the bondage of greed and jealousy. Whether we admit it or not, we live in a world of comparisons. We look down the street. We look at our co-worker. Wow, they have a nicer house than we have. I've got to get something nicer. They have a nicer car. 
The kids are going to a better college, so I've got to send my kids to a better college. We live in a world of comparisons. And when we hold things so tightly in our hands, that's what we end up doing. We get greedy. We get envious. We start comparing. And when we hold things lightly, it doesn't matter what anybody else has. We can hold it up. We don't need to compare ourselves. So living a life of simplicity, those are some of the benefits of that. And as we do that, it helps us to grow closer to the Lord. It gives us that space and that time and that energy to allow God to move in our lives. So I'm going to challenge you today, and I'm going to challenge you this week as well, to practice the discipline of simplicity in your life. And I'm only touch on a few things related to, dis- to simplicity. There's so many other things that can make our lives simpler. But it is a discipline. It's something that we have to actually work at. And so I would challenge you to do that, to live a more simple, more uncluttered life. Why? So that we can have more space and time for God in our lives. And so this morning, I'm going to just give you a few helpful ways of practicing simplicity. And as I mention these things, and I'll list them up on the board, and you can write them down if you want to. Again, if you think I'm meddling, just say, don't meddle. All right? So number one, you can write this down. Number one, when you go shopping, it says buy items for their usefulness rather than their status. Let me explain that. It says don't buy the latest gadget or toy because it's cool, because it's shiny, because it's new especially when you have one that already works fine. Am I meddling yet? Nope? Okay, good. I was in the phone store the other day. Everybody's buying a new phone, upgrading, and all this stuff, and all their, phones are wor- all their old phones are working fine. People change their phones as often as they change their underwear. Number two, avoid impulse buying at all costs. How many of you are impulse buyers? It's okay to admit it. You're checking out, and you see the checkout set, wow, hey, let's get that. But think about that. Anything we buy spontaneously, we don't need. If you think you need it, go home and pray about it first. And then if you really need it, go and get it. That's not easy, right? We live in an instant gratification world. We see something, we want it, we want it right now. That's where the discipline comes in. The discipline of living a simple life. Discipline means work. It's hard work. So avoid impulse buying at all costs. And make sure you discuss any big-ticket items with your spouse before you buy anything. We've learned that the hard way, right, guys? (laughs) Number three, reject anything that is producing an addiction in you. Anything that would produce an addiction in you, avoid it. It could be drugs, legal, prescription drugs, illegal drugs, pornography. It could be anything. Food, a bad habit, playing video games. Anything that would produce an addiction is wrong. Why? Because addiction always takes us away from God. Don't feed it. It can hurt you financially and physically and spiritually and hurt you in your other relationships. Because why? If it's an addiction, that means it takes first place in your life. And if that is in first place in your life, then God is not first place in your life. So reject anything that is producing an addiction in your life. And number four, develop a habit of giving your things away particularly for those in need. This is a tough one for some of us. But you know, the first Christians model this. Make a habit of giving away or selling your things to help those who are in need. This prevents us from becoming overly attached to the things we own. It's interesting because our culture tells us to accumulate more and more and more. You need to get more stuff. You need to get more stuff. The marketers 
are amazing what they do. They sell all this stuff. They, they advertise it. And we all want this stuff. And we feel like we need to have this stuff because everybody else has it. Our culture tells us to accumulate more, but Jesus does the opposite. He tells us to give it away. He tells us to give it away. How many pairs of shoes do you really need? How many televisions do you really need? Now I'm meddling, right? You see, if you feel, if you feel, the, anxiety building, if you feel the anxiety building within you, as you think about parting with certain items you own, you know that is exactly what you need to do. Why? Because you really don't own those things. Those things own you. You know, when we, our kids were younger, we used to do this. Whenever they got a new toy, whether we bought it for them or someone gave them a new toy, we would have them give one of their old toys away. We're teaching them the lesson. If you give and someone blesses you, then you give and bless someone else. And another byproduct of that was our toy box never got overloaded. Because anytime a new one came in, an old one went out. So we didn't accumulate a lot of toys. But that's the way it should be for everything. If you buy a new pair of shoes, give an old one away. If you buy a new shirt, give an old one away. If you buy a new car, give your old one to me. <laughs> but if you give one and receive one, give one away. And then the fifth thing. Give 10% of your income back to God. The Bible calls this tithing. God commanded his people to do it. And by giving a percentage of our income on a regular basis, we're making a regular habit of sacrificing to God and demonstrating to him that he takes first place in our lives, that we trust him with that. And then number six, enjoy the simpler things that God has provided. Part of living simply is enjoying what God has already given us. And God has given us so many things to which enjoy, which doesn't really cost anything. And especially as we live here in Hawaii, you can enjoy a beautiful sunset. You can take a hike in our beautiful mountains. You can go for a swim at our beautiful beaches. You can be with family. So don't lose your, appreci- don't lose your appreciation for the simple things that God has already given us. So I challenge you this week. Take one of these things, or maybe there may be other things that you can add to the list. How do I simplify my life? And not only simplify it for the sake of simplification, but for the sake of opening our lives and giving space and margin and room in my life so that God can come in and I can grow to become more and more like Jesus. Jesus said this. He said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? I want you to watch this video and let that verse speak to your heart this morning. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. As the worship team comes up to sing, I want you to consider and reflect on what's been said this morning. Maybe the Lord is speaking to your heart. Maybe the Lord is saying, I've, there's some things I've got to maybe let go of. Things that are hindering my life. Things that perhaps may be hindering my walk with the Lord. Maybe my life is just so busy and just so cluttered with stuff. And I don't know how it ever got that way, but that's the way it is. And there's no room in my heart for the Lord, for Him to work, because I'm just so, so busy. There's so many other competing priorities in my life. God says, just keep it simple. God's love, God's plan for life is very simple. It's not complicated at all. It's very simple. And he just says, surrender yourself to me. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. And all those other things that you're going to worry about, don't worry about them. If you get your priorities right, all those other things will fall into place. So live a simple life a life in love with the Lord Jesus Christ.
a life of purpose and meaning. Sometimes we live in this rat race of a world, and it weighs heavy on us. And Jesus says, I can take your burden. Just give it to me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so as the worship team sings this morning, these next few moments, you pray. You allow God and his Holy Spirit to work in your heart. If you want to come up to the place of prayer, to the altar, you're invited to come. If you just want to stay at your seat, that's fine as well. But you, just between you and God and no one else, make sure everything's okay. Let's pray together. There's a special need in your heart and your life right now. And with no one else looking around, if you just want me to remember you in prayer, just slip up your hand and slip it down. I'll be happy to pray for you. God bless you. Yes. See many hands being raised. God bless you. God bless you. Our Heavenly Father, thank you. We thank you because you are a God who wants to be in relationship with us. And you want that relationship to be solid and growing and sweet. And sometimes, Lord, because of our own humanity, we slip away from that. And so, Father, I just pray that we can come to you just as we are, imperfect as we are, flawed and marred, but you still love us anyway. I thank you for your amazing grace that sees beyond all the stuff in our life and still loves us and still cares for us. So Lord, I pray especially for those who've come to the place of prayer and for those who've raised their hands, who've expressed a need and say, God, I need you in my life. I need you in this particular situation. Help me, God. And God, you hear the prayers and the pleas and the cries of your people. And you answer in a gentle answer, full of love, full of compassion, and full of grace. So Father, as we lift up our needs to you, we just give them to you and we thank you. Give us reassurance, Father. Give us the reminder that we are yours and we belong to you. And that you take care of us and you provide for us. So we thank you for that, Lord. So Lord, thank you again. Thank you for this special time. Continue to speak to our hearts, even as we depart and leave this place. We pray that your Spirit's presence will continue to go with us and flow through us. And Lord, we love you and we praise you. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.